This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Welcome back to another episode of Playing Around, and today's guest is making Playing Around history. Not only was he my very first guest on the show, but our first reoccurring guest, Wells Adams. <laughs> Thank you for coming back. I'm surprised you're coming back because the first interview I did, I was so nervous and I think I just blew the whole thing and I just kind of blew it now. You make me nervous for some reason. Oh, I, I hope that's not really true. I feel bad <laughs> because uh, it seems like you guys are really uh, like, I don't know, fishing at the bottom of the barrel here. Like everyone's too hungover from Masters weekend and uh, they were just like, well, Wells will do it. <laughs> <laughs> No way. I love talking golf with you. I mean, you you probably watch more golf than I do. Well, I don't know. I was watching your Twitter feed this weekend, and you were – I mean, I, I watched every second of it, of the Masters. I don't know. I would say it's probably equal. Like, I am – I'm pretty obsessed with it. And, and of course, like, the Masters is – I mean, we didn't think we were going to get it this year, which I'm just thankful that, like, they figured it out. But – uh yeah, I mean, it's a joke. Like, they say like, it's a tradition like any other, but it really is. Like, it's like the one tournament where I'm like super pumped to to watch. Unless it's like, unless it's like the open, um, you know, at like one of those iconic places, or if it's like the U.S. Open at Pebble. This one is like the one that like, I'm the most pumped about. And I don't know why. It's always the same course. It's the same problems every year. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. This was a, and it was cool, man. Like no one was there. Like there was no tiger roars, uh, but still it was fun to watch. So I loved yeah. it. So did you like having the masters in November compared to April? I guess the answer is no, because, well, I don't know. Like, you know, if it, if it had rained on a Wednesday in April before the tournament, then it would have been soft for that Thursday and Friday round anyways. And those guys could go pin, pin hunting. So I don't know if it would have really mattered. I think, uh, I think what was like boggled my mind was that it looks the same <laughs> in April as it does in yeah. You no, know, like it, it's still like super green and beautiful. Like, a, yeah, like a little bit, like a like nodes of Auburn, but like it still is like that place is immaculate. You know. I know. I'm pretty sure they just paint the grass green. Like there's yeah. not one spot that's brown or one piece of grass that's a little off. And even, so I've been there twice before and there was literally a guy walking around with a spray can, like spray painting the grass. So if there was anything just a little out of line, they're like, no, not gonna have it. So it is perfect, but I, I enjoyed having the masters in November. I think it was a nice change. The course played pretty different. It was very soft. So Dustin Johnson is the 2020 Masters champion, breaking the four-day scoring record at 20 under. I mean, the guys went low out there, real low. Well, the guys went low, and then Dustin Johnson went in the basement of that. Like <laughs> that, was, that was an impressive thing. It's funny because before the tournament started, uh, I was talking to my buddy, not to name drop, but Chris Harrison, who I play golf with a lot, and and we bet on golf like in between like between each other, and I was like, "Who you got?" And you know, he went like he went JT, um, and then Brooks, and then Shambo, and I I was like, after seeing what DJ did the week prior and playing a like a crap Thursday around, I was like, "I'm sorry, but I just don't see anyone." 
beating this kid. And so I called it on Wednesday. Not that like calling the world number one to win the Masters is like a huge gamble, <laughs> but you know, everyone was talking about DeChambeau going into it. And I'm like, I was like so very, very confused as to, like I get that like I think for like the layman golf fan, it's a big story. But for me, I was like, I just don't I just don't get it. Like, yeah, he won you know, he, he won at Wingfoot, great. Um, but I just don't think he's gonna be able to like, I don't know, bend the course to his will like he did at Wingfoot. And I was right, like that course just ate him up. Whether he wants to say that like he was sick or had vertigo or whatever. I think well, he was sick because he was getting his ass kicked out there. And I, this is terrible to say, but I, can I swear on this? You swear as much as you want. I fucking loved it. I loved it. I loved seeing him just get eaten up by that course. It was the greatest. I'm sorry. I was shocked by his play. I thought he was going to light the course up, especially with the amount of confidence that he had going into the tournament. I mean, calling the par at Augusta National 67 in your press conference. I mean, that takes huge balls to say that. And the fact that he, I mean, he finished it two under. Bernhard Longer, who was 63 years old and had the average driving average of 250 yards, beat Bryson DeChambeau. And Bryson gets a lot of shit and kind of deservedly. I mean, he comes in overly confident. He just... It's his attitude and the way he approaches things. I think you can come off being confident. Um, like Tiger always comes off confident. Rory comes off confident. JT, but he just comes off in a way that rubs people the wrong way. And a lot of people always root against Bryson. And I don't know. What do you think about him saying that he was sick and he was having stomach issues and he was feeling dizzy out there? Yeah, you know, I was watching like uh, live the Masters afterwards, and they were talking about it. And I thought what what those whether it was uh, Justin Justin Leonard or whoever was talking about it, but he was like, you know, the golf season really is like all year long, and no one is playing every week at a hundred percent. You know, like everyone's dealing with stuff, everyone's getting sick, yada yada yada. And I don't know, like the greats don't use that as an excuse like i don't remember watching a press conference with michael jordan in, in the flu game of him being like yeah i just didn't have it because i had the flu no he went out there and he performed like that's what's great about that flu game um and so i, I don't know i didn't love I, for whatever reason i just don't i don't like bryson's like whole mentality on the game and i and i guess like Maybe that's like in vogue not to like it, but he's like, what he's doing isn't extraordinary, nor is it like anything new. Like, you know, Jack hit the ball a country mile in comparison to everybody else. John Daly did the exact same thing in comparison to everybody else. Tiger Woods did the exact same thing in comparison to everyone else. You know, he's coming in there. Yeah. He's averaging like 320 to 330, but like, Rory, JT, DJ, uh, Cameron Champ, those guys are all doing the exact same thing. Yes, yeah. it's like 308 to 315. It's just because he put on like 40 pounds and looks like a lineman now that everyone's talking about it. But 
for my money, I think that like what he's doing is one, not sustainable. Like I remember going to um, Tiger Woods golf academies when I was a kid, (laughs) the swing. And I don't think they teach that swing anymore because that swing breaks your back. (laughs) That's what happened to Tiger. (laughs) You can't do that, you know? And I'm telling you what's going to happen to Bryson. He's going to blow his left knee out. Like the, as much torque as he puts on that left knee when he drives the ball and he has to flare it out so it doesn't snap, it's going to be like one bad day that that's going to happen. I just don't think it's very sustainable. I also don't think you can play that course the way he did when patrons come back because he's going to start hitting people. Yeah. Like, you know, like that, the reason why he was able to do it at Wingfoot is because no one was there. And also the reason why I think he was able to win at Wingfoot was there's not a whole lot of danger in front of those greens. He could yeah, he could put the ball in that rough and then he could like hack out a wedge and he could run the ball up onto those greens. Couldn't do that at the Masters. There's too much danger in front and behind. And I think it showed. And then, uh, you know, in comparison, you had a guy like Dustin who was knocking the ball, not quite as far, but just as far, but able to control his irons into those greens. He was putting like mad. And what I thought was the most amazing thing about the the final round of the masters with dj on those two par fives that he definitely can hit in two and make eagle at he played it the old-fashioned way which was (laughs) and he still made birdie on both of those holes you know and he gained on the field and i think that that i don't know i just wonder if bryson's looking at that being like i still think you need to play that course smart you know like that course rewards being smart and they talked about that a whole lot all those players being like, dude, par is a good score. You're still gaining on the field if you make pars, you know? And so a guy that's saying that par is 67, okay, but it's not because if you're making pars, then you're gaining on the field. So that doesn't make any sense to me. And I love when they asked DJ the exact same question. He was like, par is what par is. It's what the numbers add up to it. He's like, it's 72. (laughs) Which is true. And, and again, like you were saying, saying with D, or with uh, Bryson, it's not sustainable. Not only is it bad on his body, but for him to be saying, "Oh, I have stomach issues." Well, I wonder why you're having eight protein shakes a day. How long can you keep that up? And if your body doesn't naturally sit at forty pounds heavier, then again, it's going to be the same problem in years to come. I mean, he's not going to be able to keep that weight on in a healthy way. Again, saying that Parr was 67 at Augusta was so disrespectful. It was just disrespectful. And I, I, but you have to say he was right. I mean, DJ shot 20 under, so he just wasn't the one to do it. So I, I have mixed feelings on Bryson because he's such a great person to make fun of. And I feel bad for him because he is doing things that are so different and it gives us something to talk about. I mean, you have so many guys on tour who are literally just walking robots who have no emotion. They say all the right things. And it's fun to have someone like Bryson be different and say things that are different. And I do almost feel bad for him because I think a lot of us jump on that because it's good content for us. I mean, I made so many jokes at Bryson's expense this week. And it's just, it's fun and it's different. But again, it's the way he goes about things that I think that people have they don't care if Bryson is upset because he just, he's not a likable guy. He just comes off 
weird. Like, I don't know, again, if he's missing like social cues or just something's like quite not there, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he said he got tested for COVID and it came back negative. And so I don't, again, I don't know if he, if there's something more going on. He said he needs to go get blood work. Uh, but let's talk about DJ a little bit more. So DJ is kind of one of those robots. I mean, he loves his sandwiches. In the press conference, someone asked him what his favorite thing about Augusta is, and he said sandwiches, which they do have some good sandwiches there. Uh, but I love DJ. He he doesn't get enough credit for how high his golf IQ is. He, he knows what he's doing. He plays fast. He's a great team with his brother Austin on the bag. But he finally cried. He finally broke down and showed some emotions like DJ is not a robot it was it was a truly special moment to see him be vulnerable for the first time really in his entire career yeah I love that I, I like the interviewer in me was like Amanda do not like give him I'm when she was interviewing him and she saw he was breaking down she like helped him out and I was like don't do that like everyone's just focused on the fact that this guy's crying you've never seen him show any emotion I was like don't don't help him out. Cause I started tearing up too. And you know, here's the other thing, like, yes, he grew up down the road. Um, so it's important to him, but dude, I played golf. I grew up in Monterey, the, the farthest from freaking Augusta. I grew up closer to Pebble. I grew up, you know, 15 minutes from Pebble beach. But when I was putting, you know, and imagining what I was doing, like if I was winning a tournament, it was always to win the masters, you know, like it wasn't yeah. to win like the U S open at Wingfoot, you know, like it wasn't that it's always the masters. Um, and I thought it was like, she did a great job of like getting him to, to show emotion. Uh, and I loved it. And I agree with you. Like, I, I mean, let's just, let's just call, I'll call a spade a spade. What everyone says about Dustin is he's dumb. And I don't, <laughs> it's true. And I, they like kind of tiptoe around it, but that's what they're effectively saying is that he's stupid. Yeah. And I don't think, I just don't think he's stupid at all. I went to school in the South. There's a lot of pe people, Southerners who are like that, who are quiet, um, who, uh, you know, the dude's six, four, like he doesn't need to speak a lot. You know, he can have his first he's, he's, He's so, you know, like larger than life in person. He hits the ball farther than everybody else. He doesn't need to speak a lot. And so I think that comes across as him being quote unquote dumb, but I don't think that's what it is. I think he actually is probably smarter than most of those guys um, out there. And he doesn't let himself like get, he doesn't let his mind get in the way of himself. You know, like it's like, all right, well, like Bryson does. I mean, exactly. I think it almost plays at a disadvantage for him. Uh, but I, I agree with that. And I, I think it, we have to note, too, that DJ's kind of been through a lot. When we talk about people getting heat, he gets a lot of heat for, you know, mistakes that he's made in the past and things that he's been through. And it's been rough on him. And so I think sometimes he is a little bit more reserved just because of maybe fear of what people are going to say about him. And people are ruthless on social media towards him and of, you know, little jokes and stuff. And the things that people say to DJ are so much worse than little jokes that people make at Bryson. And so I think everything that DJ's been through, I think that's kind of where he let his guard down finally and was like, I accomplished what I need to accomplish. And it's probably just a lot on him. Well, even to chime in, like the uh, commentator said, everyone makes fun of the expression on his face and the tone of his voice while he was like, I don't know golf, you guys, but hitting the last... Hole. 
Yeah. And so it's like, even, I mean, even for the commentators to like step in on that, like, I don't know golf, but like, where did that all, like, does that all just begin from the beginning? Is it jealousy coming from like, I was like, oh, I didn't know his dad played professional golf and now he does. Like, was, has this just been built upon like years and years? How, why would the commentator say that when he's about to win? Well, okay. So one of the thing, one of the knocks on DJ for like, I guess all your listeners out there that don't really know golf is that like, he used to be a partier, right? Like that was one of his issues that he would go out, he would party, you know, he's, you know, he's dating this like supermodel who's also the daughter of Wayne Gretzky. Like it was kind of like this, you know, he wasn't taking it seriously because he's, you know, out on Wednesday nights, but still, you know, shooting two under on Thursday morning. Uh, that was a long time ago. And yes, like, I think that like there was a, there was a point in his career where he was like, I need to slow down. I need to, did he, did he go to rehab or he did something where he kind of like, I don't know, reset everything. Uh, and apparently the story goes that like it was kind of by the words of Wayne Gretzky being like, hey, man, you're you're one of the greats. You need to like get it together. I don't know if any of that's true or not, but like I think that that's like the hangover that we have as viewers watching him. And that's us putting you know, putting that on him, a guy who's now got two kids and it seems like he's kind of just chilled out. So I don't know. One of my favorite things that I loved about DJ closing out that tournament is that you're up by five. Sung Jay still has a putt. I don't even, Abraham still has a putt. I don't even know. And he goes and he doesn't mark the ball. He goes and puts it out before they're done. Like, that's so not what you're supposed to do. You know, you're, you're supposed to, you won, you have the last putt, but like the most DJ thing is he's like, nah, to putt it out. Screw that. I'm done. Yes. Like tiny fist bump. I won the masters, but that, I felt like that moment was like, such an an encapsulating moment for like his play and how he uh, approaches the game and i kind of loved it you know i mean dj's the best but it, i'm surprised that he only has two major wins it's shocking because when you see dj play he's one of the best of all time i think when he's at his best He's in his prime. He could beat anyone. I mean, he drives it so long, so straight. Wedges are good. Iron's good. He's a good putter. He's unbeatable. Like, I can't believe that he only has two major wins. So I'm thinking that maybe this was kind of the monkey on his back. He gets it off, and now the floodgates are going to open with major wins. Yeah, I mean, was it Shinnecock where he had that kind of BS grounding of the, I, don't, yeah. I think that's where it was. Uh, that to, to me, that was bullshit. He won that tournament. That was robbed from him. There was a, there was like a thousand uh, bunkers out there. Like, yeah, okay. You're not supposed to ground the club, but it didn't look like that. It was trampled down by a bunch of patrons. He, that, he got robbed. And the way that he responded to that, I would have lost my mind. At that. <laughs> I would have lost it. Yeah. Uh, so in my mind, I think he won three for the PGA Colin just outplayed him. He still played well, you know, a couple months ago. Um, but he's got outplayed, but yeah, I think that I, you know, what, what he said in the press conference afterwards, he was like, yeah, I dream of, of, you know, winning seven, eight, nine more, but I'm dreaming of the third, you know, like I'm thinking about the third one first. And I, I think that, um, I think that 
that's a good way to look at it. And I also do think it's going to be a whole lot easier for him to go and win the third because, you know, the whole, the monkey on his back was that he couldn't close out with the 54 hole lead, which he was able to do very easily. Um, and I think it was kind of nice that there was no gallery for him. I think it, you're stressed out no matter whether there are people there or not. And there were a few people there, but I guarantee you if there were people there, uh, Cameron Smith's like crazy cut seven iron into about three inches. He skirted it past that bunker by a foot and it came back in. The crowds would have gone nuts. Yeah. Uh, I guarantee you that would have affected a little bit. Like no roars out there probably helped the anxiety and him now having a green jacket. I think it's going to be a whole lot easier for him to win majors going forward. I definitely agree with that. We're going to take a short little break and talk a little bit more after the break on some interesting master storylines. So keep on listening for that. And we're back. More master's talk. One interesting storyline that didn't actually get mentioned all that much was Sung J.M. He needs to win a major before he's 26 years old so he doesn't have to serve in the military. And he's currently 22. Can you imagine the pressure <laughs> that you have to win a major so you don't have to go serve in the military? I didn't even know that was a thing. That's... <laughs> Just give him one. Is that insane? I mean, he finished tied second at 15 under and they're like no not good enough you need to win one you need to win yeah. a major man that i did i had no idea about that i i don't so he's what he's 22 23 is that you said he's, he's 22 yeah and he has to win by by when 26 okay he'll win one by then though he's so good <laughs> he's so good uh he needs to learn english one because i can't stand the translator thing like also when he's talking to his caddy his caddy's talking to him in english so I'm like, I don't know if like he kind of knows English or what, but like, uh, and all that dude does is play golf. Like that dude needs to get a, like a tutor to travel with him around and just teach him English real quick. So his press conferences are so confusing to me, but that guy is so good. Okay. Like, I think that what won Dustin, the, the green jacket this weekend was his driving. Um, and if you think about it, Sungjae, I don't know. Did he did he miss any fairways on the final day? Like he he, he hits the ball so straight. What's that uh, takeaway? I mean, it is so slow and so controlled. Like I don't know how he misses, but at the same time, I don't know how he hits the golf ball. It, it's insane. It's like Hideki, how Hideki stops at the top, but Sungjae stops like halfway, and then he just keeps going in slow motion. It looks like his swing is in slow motion on the backswing. I know I went and I have a simulator in my garage and I went and I tried to do it. How did it work I, out for you? I, I towed it off the, off the right. And now I have a huge <laughs> like hole in the drywall in the garage. <laughs> You're like, never again. <laughs> no, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> yeah, but he's good, man. And, uh, uh both, the, listen, this was, I thought like the best leaderboard i've seen in a very long time uh you had all the big names i mean even tiger was in the hunt until he threw up a 10 which 
every average golfer was like, yeah, dude, we've been there. That was the uh, next storyline I was yeah. going to go well, with. Sorry, sorry, I won't jump. <laughs> but like, but all the young guys were in it too, you know? Uh, I, I, I love, I, I really like uh, Cameron Smith after the President's Cup. Like, yeah. one, what he said about, I don't know if like, I, it, it was right after Justin, uh, or sorry, uh, Patrick Reed got a bunch of crap for kind of, Cheating. Making his yeah okay, and he was like, "Yeah, that was cheating," and I was like, "I like this guy." And then he played really well in the Presidents Cup, and then and I then you know he got, was like fifth last last year at the Masters. I was like, "I really hope this kid does well." And what my my only annoyance going into Sunday about the tournament was that he wasn't in the final group because I think that would have changed a whole lot of stuff. I mean, it got pretty close and dicey there at the start of the round. Um, also, we have to note that Cameron Smith broke a scoring record. So he has he's the first man to shoot all four rounds in the 60s at the Masters, which is insane. I mean, for as many years that the Masters has been going on, he's the first guy to do that and not to win, which yeah. is even more insane. He imagines like, okay, great, I just broke this record. I didn't even win a green jacket. But this, the start of the round... Cameron Smith looked really good. Sanjay looked good. And Dustin looked a little shaky. And it got down to only a two-shot lead. And I didn't have a ton of confidence in DJ. I didn't know what was going to happen. We've seen at Augusta major meltdowns. It is very common. And most of the time, people tend to do that. And so I thought, I don't know. I don't know if DJ is going to get it. But I think if they were all in the same group, it, it could have gone one of three ways. Yeah. I, I just wish that he was in there because I thought he was the one who really had a fighting chance, especially after six. I think I think six was the hole in which I was like, the tournament's over. You know, he bounces back after bogeys on, is it four and five? And he sticks it like, I don't know, eight feet on six. He snakes that putt. Sungjae uh, bogeys. So it's effectively, a you know, it's a three-shot swing or whatever. Uh, and that I think in in his mind he was like, all right, I got it now because he knew that Sungjae was out. But if he had been playing with with Cameron, I think that would have put some extra pressure on him. And that's why I was saying earlier where, where I think the galleries were really missed because that would have would have spooked him a little bit if he heard people going crazy over what he was doing in the group ahead of him. You know. Someone said that none of these majors should count because there aren't any crowds there and crowds play a major role in the pressure and the outcome of tournaments. What do you think about that? Yeah, I disagree with that. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but... Um, a major is a major. It's it, Well, it, it's still, the you know, yes, what you're, but everyone's playing at an equal footing and you're still playing the best players in the world at the places where you'd be playing. So yes, it, everything's a little bit different, but it doesn't change the fact that you did beat everybody. You went low and, you know, they talked about this on the golf channel a lot um, about the most pressure you'll ever feel on the golf course is at Q school. Um, and that's when no one's there because yeah. that means that your life changes. If you, if you qualify for the, for the PGA, you, you know, you, everything changes, but no one's out there watching. And that's what it is like at a, at a major. If you win a major, your life changes. You don't need people there to have the pressure be more. The only thing that I think that really the, the, the gallery did change was the vocalization. Yes, that 
puts more pressure on you, but whatever. And two, I think that uh, they help you find balls. Like th yeah. there is there is a positive that comes with the gallery there. Like uh, Bryson wouldn't have lost that ball no. if the gallery was out there. They would have been like, yeah, it's right here. They would have had a little freaking, they swarmed around it like they always do, you know? So I think you got to, you know, it's give and take on that. What do you yeah. think? Do you think that it does shouldn't count or there should be an asterisk? Oh, definitely not. I mean, everyone, like you were saying, it's the same for everyone. So they're all playing the same course. So I don't think it matters. But I do think that it does help certain players. So I think you are seeing first-time winners or younger winners on tour. It doesn't matter if it's a major or not. Uh, because they don't have that pressure of playing in front of fans and coming from college golf where there really aren't that many people watching to coming on tour. It's very similar. But exactly what you said about Q School. I played Q School and it was the most pressure I have ever had on me. And I will never face that kind of pressure ever again. And so I think there are pros and cons to having fans and not having fans, but if you win a major, you won a major, and I don't think there should be asterisks next to it if there weren't fans there. I don't think they determine the outcome by that much. Uh, next storyline, which poor Rory. Rory McIlroy, he had a top five finish, but after shooting an opening round of 75, so Rory seems to do this a lot, where he just has one bad round that really takes him out of it. And he he looked so good the last three rounds. And he actually almost gave it a little bit of a run when Dustin made those bogeys. Rory was coming in with some birdies. I thought maybe he could give it a run, but he, again, didn't quite close it out. But that first round, 75, I mean, he was struggling to make the cut. He almost missed the cut. I know. And... I think that for Rory, it's especially the Masters is it's he's put it's not exterior pressure. It's not pressure from like fans or the media. I think it's internal because he wants to win the Grand Slam. You know, he wants to win the career, uh, whatever the all four major have all four majors uh, and be like one of five guys in the world who've ever done it. And I, I think it's all it's all on him, you know, yeah. Um which I totally get, you know, like if you've won all of them and, and the one you've got is it is the Masters, of course, they're going to have some extra nerves. Uh, you know, I <clears throat> I wonder if I hope Rory looks at DJ because what turned it around for Rory. So he said after that, the press conference after day one and two or whatever was, is that he was, you know, thinking too hard and he just needed to go out there and attack and play his game and that's all that that's all that changed and i feel like that's how, how dj plays it's like you know you know what's my yardage hit it hard you know <laughs> and and make birdies you know like i don't think he thinks too much about it no and i wonder if rory's gonna look at that and be like you know, you know like take if you took took away i i don't really don't know but if you took away round one rory probably would have won that tournament you know like yeah and so if he just plays like that going forward then he's just like dj man he hits the ball so freaking far and there are no weak points in his game save i guess his mental <laughs> mental hang-ups on day one of the masters but i don't know did did what do you think his issue was oh i think it's all mental with rory Especially because his his putting gets a little streaky at times, and putting's all about um, 
it's all mental and he just wants it so bad he wants that grand slam and he's always kind of stumbled at the masters in one way or another I hope that he gets it. Rory's a really great guy, and it would, it would be awesome to see him get the Grand Slam. But I think what you're saying about DJ, it's like he, he doesn't let anything get in his way when he's out there. And they always say you need to be either really dumb or really smart to play golf. And I think that Rory's kind of in that like middle where he is – like he thinks about things almost like too much, but not in a way that it's scientific, the way that Bryson or Phil thinks about something where it's almost like they trick their mind into thinking it's one way. I mean, Bryson's never going to say that he didn't play well or own up to it. It's always going to be a scientific mistake The he didn't calculate the yardage correctly or the grass correctly. And that always works in your favor because it's almost like you block everything else out and you're just thinking about one thing. And then you have DJ who thinks about nothing except for the shot at hand. And so I think Rory's kind of that middle where he just overthinks things. And you can tell in his press conference, too, he's very thoughtful with his responses. And you can tell that he does spend a lot of time thinking about his career and his game and what he's doing. And I think that does interfere with how he plays in majors. But I I mean, I hate to say this, but I think DJ is going to get the grand slam before Rory is. Yeah, I was thinking about this Um Cause I'm a bit older than you. So like now I've kind of experienced two, um, two reigns, right? Like I remember the tiger reign. I remember him coming out like 97 and that being insane. And he just kind of just steamrolled everybody. But then like the next generation that came through, I was thinking about it being like, I think that of the next generation that came through that DJ is the best player of all those guys and i think a lot of people would say no it's rory he's got more majors or you can even say well it's brooks he's got more majors uh than rory does but i think that dj albeit only had the one major he just dominates well he had he what has 22 or 23 wins on tour which is yeah. just insane uh i don't know i was wanting to get your thought of like post tiger era who has been the best player of this generation? Gosh, that's such a hard question because you've seen guys have stretches in their career of just dominance. I mean, even you can put Jason Day in that category. Yeah. You have Adam Scott Spieth. for a little bit. You have Spieth, um, Dustin, Brooks with the majors. I mean, uh, even though he wasn't winning a lot of other tournaments, that was some incredible incredible golf that stretch of golf might be the best stretch we will ever see I mean he was winning majors like it was nothing and then you have Rory but you don't have anyone who like Tiger who has just been dominant for a long period of time all these guys have seemed to falter or had their issues or you know have had those really bad tournaments where Tiger was always just really steady he was always in the mix and never really had any bad tournaments I, I would say all of those guys at their prime, I would say Dustin Johnson is the best player out of all of them. And I would have the most confidence that he would win. I mean, his game all around is really solid. With Rory, he's one of the best ball strikers I've ever seen. But I think with his mental approach and then his putting is so streaky. Like when he's standing over a five, three footer, I have no confidence that he's going to make it. He just looks so uncomfortable over the ball. But with Dustin, he just looks solid all the way around. Brooks, I want Brooks to be the, the guy. I really like Brooks. And I think 
he's a good mix of you know a really solid player but also someone who can bring younger viewers into the game and I think that's really important I love how he mixes it up on social media and he kind of shit talks all different players I don't think Bryson will ever be that person and I think Jason Day with all of his injuries he's kind of out so I would say the one person would be Dustin Johnson yeah I agree I mean I don't know it I, I was trying to think of like who. I mean, unfortunately, if if Spieth can like get it, get his act back together or get his timing down, whatever his his ailment is, then you know, it's, he could. It's sad though watching Jordan Spieth now. I mean, like people are celebrating him making a cut. It, it's like yeah. watching the Patriots play when they celebrate beating the Jets. You're like, wait, what? What's yeah? What? This is weird. Like this is doesn't make sense. And that's how it is with Jordan. I mean, he was the the golden boy of golf, and now he people are happy when he makes a birdie or when he makes a cut. It's so sad to see. Yeah, and then going back to DJ, I think that you're right. Like I think that. I think that he will probably get the the career grand slam before Rory. Uh one because like I, I bet DJ's like, can the next season start now? Can it be April now? <laughs> you know, like let's yeah. go. Uh because he I mean I'm, he's playing really good golf, but you know, he's he's knocked down the two hardest ones, you know. I think I think the open and, and or the US Open and the Masters are the two hard ones to really get. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, shit, he was so close to a PGA this year. <laughs> you know, like, to be honest with you, like, he could just, he could, if a couple things changed and Morikawa, you know, like, tripped on, if Morikawa didn't hit that crazy shot on 16, things might be different, you know? Yeah. Uh, and we could be talking about, like, not if uh, DJ's going to do it in his career, but if DJ's going to do it in the next, you know, 11 months. So... <laughs> I don't know. But I, I don't know. This Masters was really fun for me to watch. The leaderboard was just bonkers. I, I, you know, growing up in the Tiger era, I don't remember watching uh, and being so excited. And and so this was a this was something I want to talk about. Um, and I don't know if it's just because I'm older now and I've I, I got more time on my hands or I'm not as stupid. But uh, <laughs> my fiance was like, so who are you rooting for on, on Thursday morning? And so I just started, re I was like, well, I like the, I want DJ to win a, a, another major. I think he deserves one. And, you know, I like Brooks. He's kind of like the jock that like might've been a bully, but like kind of kicking ass and you like him, you know, I mean, for, for history's sake, I'd love for Tiger to do it again. And Xander Shoffley, man, that kid's so freaking good. I can't believe he hasn't gotten one. And I really like Colin Morikawa. That dude can just strike his irons like crazy. And I was like, this Cameron Smith guy from Australia, he's great. Oh, and Jason Day. Like, who doesn't love Jason Day? And I started reeling off all these people. And she's like, you like everybody. And I was <laughs> like, no, maybe. But, like, I just think that there's the field is so robust now. And it's making golf so much more fun to watch than, you know, the in the Tiger days, it was like Tiger and Phil. But they never really went head-to-head. -head. Very, very rarely did they go head-to-head -head, and never really in majors. And then it was like, it really was like Tiger and VJ, which you're like, all right, whatever. Or Tiger and Ernie, uh, or like Tiger and Podrick, or Tiger and, um, it's kind of it. That, that was kind of it. Uh, Marco, he went against Marco Mera a good bit, but that was it. And it wasn't like 
all of those guys were all like kicking ass and taking names at the same time. And that's what this tournament felt like. It was like all these dudes are so good going into it. And that's why I think that like not only like just winning in this field where I think everyone was playing really well. And of course, it was very gettable. Like that's that's pretty dope. Good job, DJ. But like he went and just kicked everyone's ass. He kicked everyone's ass by you could give everyone other day out there. I don't know if anyone was shooting six under. I mean, it was it was insane. But so you you I mean, you watch golf a lot. I would say you're an avid golfer, and you know all those guys, and they're they're great. You have so many young players, up and coming players now, good personalities. Do you wish that? let's say Monday through Wednesday, there wasn't so much of a focus on Bryson and they put more media attention on those players. So people who aren't avid golfers start to know who these other players are. Cause I, I feel like we only talked about Bryson and not even tiger. It was weird for people to not have tiger be the center of attention or the start of a conversation at the the masters and he was the defending champion we spent three full days talking about bryson dechambeau yeah i mean it, it annoyed me um <laughs> i think it i think it annoyed the players though a lot and i yeah. think the play the, all the players did and i would have done the exact same thing i wish i was that good so i could be up there and they, then they when everyone's asking me about Bryson DeChambeau, I'd be like, yeah, it's his to lose. Like, that's what everyone said. It's his to lose. It's his tournament. He's playing so good. If he doesn't win, man, I don't know what's going on. All those players are saying that. And you know what those players, all those players don't believe that. No. Fucking no one believes that if you're that good. But they're like, this is going to get into his head. This is going to screw him up, man. Everyone thinks that you're going to win. That's so much pressure putting on you, putting on him. And I guarantee you, like, JT and Rory and all those guys doing that was like, I wonder if there was some text thread that was like hey all right game plan they're gonna ask let's fuck with bryson <laughs> yes let's fuck with him it's gonna be so funny when he explodes and guess what he did <laughs> he did I, I mean everyone was talking about his 48 inch shaft his golf shaft and how that was a big topic of conversation too i mean it's like every little thing that he does they're just talking about it and like you were saying and press conferences now they're not asking the players what do you think about Tiger Woods? They're asking, what do you think about Bryson DeChambeau? And he's only one, one major. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I've been trying to figure out what I don't like about him. <laughs> I think I, everyone I feel, is. <laughs> and I, so I think I, and I've been, I was on the golf course the other day and we were talking about Bryson DeChambeau. Listen, he's great for the game. He's making everyone talk about it. He's okay. just like Tiger, you know, like he's making people, Pay attention, which is great. I think the thing that annoys me about Bryson DeChambeau is he's taking away what I think of as the thing that separates pros from amateurs like me. And I'm a pretty good, I'm like a five, a six handicap. But the thing that separates me from pros, um, aside from like just a mental fortitude, which I have none of, <laughs> yes, of course, driving distance is a big thing, but I can still hit the ball 270, 285, which is kind of close to Bernard <laughs> Langer out there. Uh, <laughs> But what separates me from those guys is their ability to have a tight dispersion pattern with their four and five irons into greens that I would never even try to challenge. And it, of course, it makes it so, like, I'm sorry, one of the hardest shots in golf is like your three iron 220 in yeah. to a tight green. And all those guys can hit it. Like, I remember hearing a story about 
Kalamurakawa and his dispersion pattern with a six iron at Cal was as good or better than everyone else on the team with their nine iron, which is crazy. And so what annoys me about Bryson DeChamp, so so for me, when I watch golf and I'm like, holy crap, dude, uh, like Cameron Smith hit that one, made that one eagle. He, I think it was like a four or five iron. He stuck like, I don't know, five inches on, I think it was on Saturday. That's a shot that like, that's to separate the men from the boys shot. Like that shot is amazing. One, that he even had the nuts to do it. And two, that he was able to pull it off, right? What annoys me about Bryson DeChambeau is he's, one, he's not playing the golf course the way it's set up because he's just going over trees instead of having to cut balls around or hook, hook balls around. Uh, and two, he's coming in with nine irons every time, which is no fun for me because I can hit a nine iron pretty good out of the rough too. What I'm always surprised about is when someone gets up with a four iron, sticks at five inches, and that's what he's taken away from the game. And I think that's why I don't like him because he, he's making something that I'm like, wow, I can't believe someone could do that. You know, he's taking that away from me, and I, I think that's what I don't like about it. Well, I mean, these courses were made to be played a certain way. And so now he's trying to do things that, I mean, like you're saying, cut trees off, carry insane distances. But Augusta is already tiger-proof. Tiger is the original Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, he was hitting it so much farther than everyone else. He was taking these lines, and I think that's why Bryson didn't play well because it was already Bryson-proof because Tiger already did this before him. But, yeah, I... I don't know what it is about Bryson. I, I, I think I'm kind of like you. I'm trying to figure out like what it is about him that I don't like or what people don't like about him. And that that's, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I still just, I don't know. I just like don't get it with Bryson. But again, I he's so good for the game. And I hope that he keeps doing what he's doing because he gives me great Twitter content. But we got to talk about the 2019 Masters champion, Tiger Woods. I Better than I thought he was going to play. I thought he was going to miss the cut, to be completely honest. I did, too. I th- I was talking with my buddies about it, and I'm like, Tiger's not going to make this cut. And it's no. not because Tiger isn't great. It's because Tiger hasn't really been playing golf. <laughs> like, he's just not he's just not in true form. But that just goes to show you that that course is all about local knowledge and being smart. And he's he was able to whack it around there. Actually, that his his Thursday round was flawless. Like yeah. he played really, really well. He was driving the ball really well. But that, I think that goes to show you that, you know, you got to be smart to play that court. You you, you can't. You got to give what that. You got to take what that course gives you and everything. I to be honest with you, I was impressed with Tiger's play. Uh, I think that if it was any other year, uh, he probably would have been able to do a better job defending. And the fact that we were still talking about him on Sunday, I think, was super cool. And I was thinking about it like he shoots, he hits a, makes a 10, <laughs> which I think, well, I've, maybe not you, but like I've been there before. I've been and there. A- okay. And afterwards, I would have totally disintegrated. I would have yeah. been like, fuck this. I want one of those pimento cheese sandwiches. Let's get me in. Let me get a vodka soda. I'm over this. But what like separates him from everybody else is that he went and reeled off five birdies after that, which is just bonkers, by the way. And if you just think yeah. about like, what would have been if he had birdied that hole, then all of a sudden, like, it's a completely different story. Especially if there were people there, like, the roars would have gone, would have been just mind-numbing. But, like, his press conference afterwards, he was, like, laughing it off. 
And and so I think that what's amazing to me about Tiger is that like, and the reason why he's so good is he knows he's so much better than everybody else that that's not embarrassing to him. Like he was just laughing it off. Whereas I would be like crying in the background. Yeah. Being like, I'm so embarrassed, you know? But Tiger's like, I know I'm better than you. And yeah, I made a 10. What do you want me to tell you? It happened. Then I reel off five birdies. I, I know. And I also think because towards the end of the third round and then also the fourth round, he was in pain. You could see that his body was shutting down on him. I mean, on the whole, he made the 10. He could barely get out of the bunker. I mean, he was using his club as like a walking cane. And it was hard to see, but I think the, or having to play so much golf in one whole round, so his second round, he had to wake up at like 3.45 in the morning to get his body ready. And I think that really messed him up. I think if it was if it, the first round didn't have that delay, I think he would have even played better than he already did. I mean, it was shocking that he even made the cut. And without that 10, I mean, it would have been pretty pretty close. I mean, he gave it a really good run. I was, I mean, I was shocked. And we all wanted Tiger to win. And I think just the fact that he was in the mix was, it was great. It's always good for golf when Tiger's playing well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we all all wanted Tiger to win. I don't know if I wanted Tiger to win. You didn't want Tiger to win? No, he got it last year. And like, that was a a great moment for me. This is all about me, by the way. But like, (laughs) but like he won, you know, I remember going and saying like on my radio shows like, that he's never going to win another major. He's done. His back's done. Yeah. It's like it's over. And that comeback was insane. It was um, amazing. And just goes to show you how good he is, uh, especially on that course. And then, you know, like the poeticness of the whole thing of him hugging his son at, on 18 afterwards was beautiful because it was reminiscent of him p- hugging his father. But then I'm, now I'm like, okay, n- I want someone new. I want to see something new. And like getting to see DJ crying. <laughs> I didn't even know that robot like had tear ducts. I I'm much more happy with that than if Tiger had wanted it again. I'd be like, I've seen this story. I've actually seen it five times, yeah. and I want to see someone else do it. You know, I, that's not to say I don't want to see Tiger win the Masters again. But I think that for this one, I was totally fine with somebody else winning it. I mean, that's actually a really good point. I, again, I think it's just anytime Tiger does well or he's in the mix or he wins, it's always good for golf. But yeah. seeing Dustin win, like I wanted him to win this whole time. Um, and like you were saying, like seeing him cry, who would have expected that? Like that was exactly what we needed and what we wanted. But here's the real question. What is he going to serve at the champion's dinner in April? <laughs> Sandwiches. <laughs> Sandwiches and an eight ball of cocaine, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the memes were pretty funny on yeah. that one. But, I mean, I feel like he's just going to go pretty simple with it. I, he has to do sandwiches. At, I mean, he can't not do sandwiches. Yeah. I mean, but I saw the menu for, for Tiger's Champion Dinner, and he did, a, a, like a, I think, a sandwich start, like a lobster roll or something. So you can have, like, like that to start with. I got to think he's going to do something very, like, um, South Carolina-y. Yeah. Like, uh like i don't know like crab or something that's that's what i think like a crab boil i don't know but i do think just really like funny. eating with their hands can you imagine <laughs> yeah. how funny that would be these guys in their green jackets having like lobster bibs around them <laughs> wait i have a question about like the logistics of the green jacket 
Okay. <laughs> we, I don't know if you have the. If you have we answer. might have the answer because we have been working on this for like three weeks now. <laughs> okay. So, Mike, one question. If you win multiple green jackets, you really only get one. Like, Tiger's only got one green jacket, right? Correct. You do not get multiple jackets. It's only the one jacket. So every time he wins, he's putting on his first jacket. Yeah. And so that jacket doesn't leave Butler Cabin or wherever the hell the locker room is, right? Does it stay there or can he take it with him? I think you can take it with you because, I mean, they do because they're doing all of their press tours and they're always yeah. wearing the green jacket. Uh, and I've seen people wear the green jacket kind of outside of that, but I actually don't know. I don't know if you have to get like permission or like a sign it out if you're going to wear it. Okay, so here's my other question. It's Obviously, it's a private club. It's very hard to become a member. I assume that when you become a member, you get a green jacket, and any time that there's some sort of function at the golf course, you have to wear said jacket to the function. Is that how that works? Again, I think that is correct. So, yes, yeah. when you become a member or you win the Masters, then you are a member, you get a green jacket. Here, okay, so we finally figured this out, too. So, Dustin, he was wearing another member's jacket. So, before you get it fit to you, they go and try to find another member that has a certain same type of build as you, and they give you that jacket until your green jacket is fit to you. So that we, we figured that out in the last two weeks. It took a little bit of time. Um, and then, yes, you have to wear it. So that's why when Zach Johnson came out to congratulate DJ, he was wearing his green jacket. Yeah. Uh, my other thing is one, who the fuck is as big as DJ? That's a member out there is my one question. Like, is that like Ernie Els's jacket? Uh, probably cause he has long arms. I mean, yeah. they were making, Faldo was making jokes about that. He's like, you need to go and try to find one. But here's the, what if you have to wear like Condoleezza Rice's jacket? Like how embarrassing would that be? If you're like, sorry guys, like we need to, we need to wear this jacket. That would have been funny for, for, uh, Abraham answer. <laughs> no, no. For like Patrick Reed and they gave him Condoleezza Rice and it was just like fat guy in a little <laughs> coat. <laughs> it's like, he can't like get it over his yeah. shoulders. <laughs> Wait, my last question is this. Uh, when you, when you win the masters, are you now a member of Augusta national? Yes. So you, he gets to go there and play there whenever he wants. Yes. Do you think he has to pay dues? Probably. I, I, I probably. There's yeah. probably so many weird, like, unwritten rules about Augusta that I don't even, I don't even want to think about. It's like, if you even have to ask, then yeah. you're not allowed in. I know. You've played it twice? No, I've only, no. I only, I've been to the tournament twice. Oh, uh, okay, okay. It's, okay. it's a weird place. I have, like... There's so much I love about the Masters in Augusta, and there's also so much I hate about it. It's almost everything I hate most about golf is what Augusta National is. I mean, it's snooty, it's exclusive, um, it's stuffy, it's non-inclusive, but then there's just like this magic about Augusta National that it, it, in the Masters that it makes it my absolute favorite tournament. But I was I was wondering, it's like, do the members laugh at the patrons for enjoying the sandwiches? Are they like, those peasants are eating pimento cheese. Like, <laughs> let's laugh at them from our <laughs> steak dinner and our jackets. You know, like, I, I, they must like just laugh at us the whole time, just being like normal people.
Yeah, be like, well, the common folk are coming to the grounds again. What should we make them? Make them our shittiest sandwiches and only charge them a dollar fifty because those peasants can't afford normal caviar like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because pimento cheese sandwiches are disgusting. Yeah. They are so bad. And when you go get them there, the cheese is like, cold but the mayo is like warm and so it's like this really weird texture and consistency and they're literally so disgusting uh but oh who okay who do you think is going to win the masters in april because it's our next major i know i'm very excited about that um <sighs> this is a good question um i mean i think that cameron smith likes that golf course a lot he's got a he's got a t2 and a top five in the past three years yeah um i mean xander's gotta win at some point and he was looking pretty good actually at least going into the weekend i don't i don't think that that course can be overpowered like what you were saying in terms of they tiger proofed it i don't think bryson's gonna be able to do it even though i think everyone wants it uh, I'd love to see Rory do it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if Rory's ever going to get that one. I don't, I don't think he will either. Um, I think he's just so in his head about it. I mean, I, honestly, if I was if I was going to Vegas today, I'd put money on DJ again. Like I, 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 no one's ever played that well at that course in the history of that course, you know. And now, in, instead of having like ghosts haunt you of like you can't hold a fifty-four hole lead, he's just going to have memories of like. Yeah, I stuck it eight feet on six. Uh, you know, no, no problem on twelve. Uh, I didn't even play the those two par fives on the back like I would play. Then I still buried them. Like I'm the best player out here. I would probably say DJ again. What about you? I'm gonna go with DJ too. Yeah. Like I said, when he's at his best, he's unbeatable. And. I I loved how Paulina was also wearing a green jacket, too. Mm -hmm. So they had their matching green jackets. <laughs> that exchange at the end was just so funny to me. Like, I want DJ to win just so I can see Paulina again and having them interact in the whole family. It just, I don't know, it makes me so happy. Like, they live such a different life. And he won the Masters. And they were having a conversation with each other, as I would have with, like, someone at a grocery store. Like they were so casual about it. It's like, oh yeah, like I'll call you. Like we'll figure this out. I'm like, you just won the masters. I know. I like they're so fascinating to me as like a family that I just love when he wins because I get to see her again. Well I think that was I even mentioned this to my fiance when we were watching him win and walk off. I was like, it's so cool that there are no patrons there because if there were, it would be so loud we wouldn't really be able to hear what they were saying to each other. And I, I agree with you. I loved like how ordinary and mundane their conversation was. She was like, okay, so I'm going to go get the kids. Just call me later. And uh, he's like, all right. Yeah. Just FaceTime. Like it was just a very norm. And I was like, oh, they're just, the stars are just like us. They, <laughs> they talk just like us. I, I love that. The other storyline that uh, we didn't really get into though, which I really loved was, the storyline between uh, DJ and his brother and like. Oh my gosh. Uh, when it, Austin started crying after he won, I 
I cried. I I yeah. lost it. I mean, you you can tell that they work so well together and they put so much into it just to see his brother be so emotional. I mean, there was no competitiveness there at all. He was just so genuinely happy that Dustin won and it made me made my heart very happy. Yeah, I like that. I liked him being he had to tell his brother, "Hey, keep it together." You know, <laughs> like I still got to make a putt. I thought that was cool. I heard some story of, you know, after the after he had Austin on his bag like for the first time and he won, he said something like, I can't let my little brother see me lose, which I was like, oh, that's a good line. I love that. Like, um, And also, like, say what you want about caddies, but, like, his brother has made him a much better putter. Mm-hmm. Like, he is really – his putting has completely changed, I think, uh, since his brother got on the bag. Like, they are a team when it comes to that, like – their whole routine he obviously has slowed him down, which is kind of annoying because, like, I, what I loved about DJ was that he was quick, and now yeah. he just like, takes forever on the greens. But it's like their whole thing is working, and, like, I think that as much as it is DJ's championship, like, his brother should get a lot of credit. Like, I think he really did help him out. Well, especially at Augusta, so a lot of people don't know this, during the Masters you don't get a normal greens book that you would normally get for any other tournament. And they're also saying that's another reason why Bryson didn't play well because he relies so heavily on his green book. And so to have his brother be there to help him read those putts, um, caddies are so important, especially at the Masters, because one, you don't have that greens book, and it's all local knowledge. I mean, it's the same course every single year. And so after a while, it's like you just know how it breaks. But, yeah, I agree with that. They're such a great team. I played in a fun little charity event with them. And the way they interact, it's just they, it's just so much fun to see them. You can tell they care about each other. They work really well together. And it's simple. Like, their process is so simple. And I think that people try to overcomplicate everything so much. And you look at players like a Bryson or even like a Phil where there's so much going on in their head. And you only really need the number. And that's it. And that's what – uh, DJ focuses on and so I think a lot of amateur golfers can use that to help their game because I think they'll watch these pros play and they think they need to slow down their process and have all of this information and DJ shows that you don't need it you need to know what the number is and then you execute the shot and I think having them as a team like they work really well together and they know he knows how Dustin operates and what's going on in his mind or what's not going on in his mind and how to work with that. Yeah, it's also probably pretty helpful. I mean, like, you know, at the end of the day, the caddy is is an employee of the boss who's the who's the pro. And I think a lot of times, listen, I don't really know, but I would assume a lot of times when the pro is making a bad decision, it's hard for the caddy to be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, and I imagine it being your brother, it's a little easier for you to be like, what are you doing? No, yeah. <laughs> you know, stop this. This is so stupid. Uh, which, and it brings me to my, my next point, which, so this is something that, that amateurs do not deal with, which is mud balls, which was like talked about like constantly. Right. And so like, I never knew what a mud ball is because listen, when I go play golf, if I've got a big punk of mud on my ball, I'm like, I'm going to clean this off. This is stupid. Right. Yeah. Um, so what I learned was, is that when there's like mud, like on the side of the ball, if it's on the right side, it's going to go left and vice versa. And I thought that, so I didn't really know all this stuff, the science of it all. But like on that one par five, DJ had a mud ball. And so he like scooted a six iron 
down in position and he wanted to keep it low because he wanted to, to try to rub all the mud off the ball, which anyone who says that DJ's dumb, okay, well, I didn't even think about that. Like, that's such a smart... It's like another level. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was really cool. But go, so this is my last thing about the mud ball. Um, there are, so this annoys me. There are two things that annoy me about, about golf, and I think they need to make rule changes. One, if you drive the ball in the fairway into a divot, I think you should, be able, you should be able to move it because yes. you're getting penalized for hitting a good shot. Yes, I agree. That's not how that should work. And I also think if you hit a ball in the fairway and it's muddy, you should be able to clean it because the same thing, you're getting penalized for hitting good shots and because, you know, the course doesn't drain the way it should or whatever, you know? So they normally do lift clean in place. The problem is that the first round, they started the round without having that in the rules. And so instead of restarting it, they could have done lift clean in place. But since they already started the round, they kept going. They couldn't then change the rules. And so that's why none of them did lift clean in place. And so they were getting those mud balls. And it was funny because I think after that, they didn't want to change it because it's Augusta National. And it's always in really perfect shape. And so even the commentators had to stop saying mud ball because Augusta National didn't want them to say mud ball. And so that's why, like, Dottie was like, oh, there was, like, or organic matter on the golf ball or so it was so funny for them to try to work around that but I, I agree I don't know why they weren't playing lift clean in place that was a little bit weird to me but I mean it's Augusta they do what they want yeah I just I, I totally get it not wanting to change it in the middle of a round but then on the second and third round like after three quarters of an inch of rain falls on the ground I don't care how good water drains to raise creek. Uh, it's going to be mud. like, why wouldn't you just have it be lift clean in place? And yeah, great. You can make the, the announcers stop saying mud ball, but you can't stop the players from yelling mud, mud ball. ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. I mean, maybe they were just trying to make the course a little bit more difficult because if you do lift clean in place, then you get preferred lies and it does make things a little bit easier. And so maybe they thought since the course was playing so uh, soft that having lift clean in place would have made it easier. I, again, I don't really know, but it was such a fun tournament. It wrapped off this year. I think everyone needed the Masters for 2020. It's been just a shit year all around. It was so exciting from start to finish. So much to talk about. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on and talking golf with us. But I, let's get away from golf just for a second. Are you? What's going on in your life? Are you good? I mean, you, you've been engaged for a while. Are you guys planning a wedding? Like, what's going on? Yeah, we were supposed to get married uh, in July. That didn't happen because I don't know if you heard, but there's like this pandemic thing happening oh, out there. Yeah, that thing. Uh, so we just pushed it and everything's good. Like, I, I I, think I told you this when we we did like commentary for like the PGA a while ago. But like after like a week of this pandemic, I went and built the simulator in my garage, <laughs> SkyTrack <laughs> simulator. And so like before this podcast, I was out there tinkering. And so if it wasn't for honestly, like I know this is just like, this is on brand, I guess, but it wasn't for golf. I would be like losing my mind right now. So yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> is your Beyonce frustrated with you always being in the garage hitting golf balls? She's confused by it, I guess. Um, <laughs> She's also confused about like the amount because now I play golf like at least twice a week. Like I'll go out and play, 
and she's like, what, what are you doing? And I get it. Like a lot of, a lot of girlfriends and wives don't love guys going and play golf, but this is the experience. This is what I always say. I say, Hey, listen, it's a lot better than it could be. Like I could be like sitting and playing like nine hours of call of duty every day, you know, and like being fat, at least I'm walking around or I could be like a strip club. There's a lot worse things I could be doing. Well, not during COVID, I guess, but like there's a lot worse things I could be doing than like having a couple beers and like smoking a cigar on a golf course. And when I put it to that, give it, you know, put it in that perspective. She agrees with me. The other thing that I have to remind her about why uh, she should love that. I love golf. It has made gifting for birthdays and Christmas so easy for her. She just goes to Roger Dunn. She gives a gift card. Bing, bada, boom. I'm the happiest kid in the world. Easy peasy. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny you did mention this, that we did live commentary for the PGA Tour on Twitter. And I'm I'm just putting this out there. I don't know if anyone who works ESPN is listening. We should have done ESPN+. Plus. We should have done the commentary for that. I agree. I was watching that, and one, they weren't talking very much. Like they, they were, they were like minutes, minutes and pun minutes would go by, and no one would say anything. Uh, and then was it uh, who was the the female golfer? Uh, Michelle Wee. Michelle Wee. I, she's a great golfer, but I think that our banter would have been better. That's all I'm saying. So um, anyone at ABC, Disney. Uh, ESPN wants to uh, pay us to talk golf. We can totally do that. Yeah, we're just we're just throwing it out there because I mean we we made a pretty good team and I love talking golf with you. Uh, you're seriously the best. Again, thank you so much for coming on and just talking Masters with me. I always geek out when we get to do that. Yeah, and when this is all over, let's play golf. Let's play golf. Are you going to uh, the AT and T again? Uh, I mean, I don't Possibly. even know if they're going to have fans or like what, yeah. what's going on with that. But in the meantime, where can people follow you on social media and you have a couple podcasts. So where can they find you for those? Well, yeah, I imagine that your audience would really love my podcast. It's definitely brand specific. Uh, I do one podcast with Brandy Cyrus, who is, um, the sister of Miley and Noah Cyrus and the daughter of Billy Ray Cyrus. And we just talk about, it's called your favorite thing. We talk about our favorite things. Uh, <laughs> golf. Do you just talk golf all the time? <laughs> I do talk golf sometimes, but she's like, no one is a lot of women listen to that. They're like, no one gives a shit about this. Uh, and then the other one I do is called the Wells cast, uh, with iHeart. And that's where I talk to, uh, famous people about, uh, how they became successful. It's like an origin stories podcast, which is really interesting. Um, whether it's actors or athletes or, um, musicians, um, or doctors or lawyers, anyone who's successful in their life. It just, uh, it provides like a blueprint on, on, on how to be successful, which I, which I think is really cool. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Wells Adams on like all the social media. So do that. My OnlyFans account is at Wells Adams 69. So check it out. Yeah, one day, one day. <laughs> okay. Got to pay for that. Yeah, wedding. no, thanks, Wells. You're awesome. And I was on your podcast as well. So if people want to go check out my episode on Wells Cast, uh, definitely go do that. It was, it was a good one. It was fun to talk to you. So again, you're the best. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. I mean, Tori, you had to calm down during that whole <laughs> master segment. I mean, you were just a chatterbox. 
I know. I'm so sorry, everyone. That was just, I get too excited. You did watch this. So I did get a text from you watching the Masters, which always makes me so happy anytime that you watch golf. And you had some good insight. I mean, you were asking about certain players, if they were single or not. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. Honestly, I woke up so hungover and panicked. Like, I literally woke up to a text from my guy friend. I think it was the Bryson article or something that woke me up. And I was like, oh, I'm just trying to sleep. And then I was like, oh, no, I promised Paige I'd watch the Masters. So I quickly turned it on. And then I was like, debrief me. So honestly, shout out to Thomas for reminding me to watch. And it was so fun, hungover. I was like, why are the commentators whispering? I need them to speak a little louder. I mean, that that article, though. Um the New York Post always does me so dirty with the headlines. It was all about you and Bryson's shaft. something shaft. It's like Paige yeah. Spranick shades Bryson DeChambeau's shaft. Yeah. <laughs> Click. I'm going to read that easy. So I had, I had a tweet. This will be the last sports-related master's topic. It wouldn't be... It wouldn't be a hard podcast unless there was a tweet mentioned. I know. I, so I, I've been getting in a lot of trouble on Twitter, as you guys know. And so everyone was talking about Bryson's 48-inch shaft that he has been dabbling with. And so I tweeted, <laughs> lesson learned from Bryson this week. It's not how long your shaft is, but how you use it. Now that is a universal truth. I mean, you know what right was there. weird, though, about that, Tori? is that so many guys were very upset. And I'm confused here because I feel that they would be very happy with a woman coming out and saying that. Yeah. No, that is that is confusing. I feel like a guy would have been like, ain't that the truth? That's what you would think. That's what you would think. I don't, maybe it was like a reverse psychology. He's like, I'm going to let her know that I swing a long, stiff shaft. So I'm going to act <laughs> outraged. So she knows that I can handle it. Yeah. Also, like, why would you ever comment on, like, if you like it, you're fine. But why would you ever comment on it? Because then it just looks like you're being dis- defensive and you have a small shaft. Exactly. I don't I don't get it. I got a lot of comments about I was bullying Bryson and I'm a bad person. and But guys just can't seem to take a joke. Why are they so sensitive? Gosh. Men are so sensitive. Get some thicker skin. Grow some balls. Come on, Come on guys. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> yeah, that's a weed. Speaking of balls, so Tori and I had we're gonna move on from sports talk and we're gonna talk a little girl talk right now. So Tori has a problem, and I think guys, I we do. need your help. So Tori tends to gravitate towards the worst kind of men possible. <laughs> if a guy is walking around with a hundred red flags and is not her type, has no interest in dating, no future. That's the guy that Tori wants. Why is that? Why do people tend to gravitate towards toxic people or people who are not right for them? Well, it's so funny we're talking about this because I literally FaceTimed my friend who went on a date or she's been kind of seeing this guy and her words are, he's so nice. And the guy that I'm dating, I keep saying he's so nice, but we're like, there's no spark there. And for her, she just had sex with him this weekend. And she said that like, it was so just like uncomfortable after that, that like, she doesn't know if she can continue dating him. But I'm like, no, he's so sweet. He's so kind. He's being thoughtful. Like, 
the sexual chemistry will come. But then I'm talking to my roommate and she's like, no, you should cut it off. Like sexual chemistry, if it's not there, it's not going to be there. My thing is, I think when someone is so kind and thoughtful, they're so rare. Now, I'm, now say as I do, not do as I say, not as I do, because when it cucks, when I get into my story, I'm like, it's just not there. But for her, I was like, no, like sexual chemistry can come later if all the qualities of the person is is there too. What are your thoughts on that? I I've heard people say that. Th- the guy that you have the best sex with is not the guy that you marry or girl or um, mm. listening to this. So I get that because I think that sometimes when you have that chemistry, most of the times it comes from a toxic place. And so I think back at guys that I have dated or talked to and I was addicted to it because it was such a, a rush and a high because you experience the really high highs, but also the really low lows. And so when yeah. you do get those highs off of being treated so poorly, it's always this up and down. That's where you get that adrenaline rush and you become addicted to someone who's toxic. And I think that's where the sexual chemistry comes from is this bent up, like pent up frustration and aggression. And that's why it's so good. And then when you have someone who's nice that you you really like and you get along with but there's not that like hatred for them then you don't have that intensity that crazy you know wild passionate sex you just have nice but when you think about it like you want you want nice you want good you want consistency and so even though it might not be as crazy passionate as it is with someone who's toxic and bad for you like consistency (laughs) over time is so much better having someone in your corner who is there for you who you can count on who's nice who's thoughtful like that outweighs having that passion I agree but she kept emphasizing that like he was just like sloppy like sloppy kisser which men do less on the tongue they're like dogs do less because yeah, like, we don't need to be licked. Like, tongues can be hot, but, like, it's minimal. I, I think it's when guys get excited. I think if you're, it's, like, mm. a, just a normal kiss, they're fine. But it's, like, if they know that they're about to do it, they get too excited. And so their tongue starts, like, moving, like, a mile a minute. <laughs> and it's, like, a motorboat in your mouth and your tongue's, or, like, a, a tail of a fish is just going back and forth and hitting it. So I think guys just need to, like calm it down slow it down and I think that goes for everything too I think guys think harder and faster is better and that's not the case with it's everything not the case men is so much better oh my gosh when you're more of a tease like done and not like emotionally but like in the physical and kissing like done for the ladies if you are slow and like a little like intimate and like oh done totally and okay so well here is my follow-up question to this I told her, I said, I think you just need to tell him like, oh, not necessarily like you're a terrible kisser, but just like when you like something, tell him you like it. And if he's doing too much time, just let him know. But then, because we all had this FaceTime group last night. And then my other roommate was like, no, don't tell him. That's just mean. And I'm like, no, you got to communicate what you like and don't like. But am I a jerk? Like I coach people sometimes on kissing. I'll be like, oh, a little too much tongue or like, oh, this, you know, or oh, I like that, which I think you have to do. I men don't I, know. No, I agree with that. I think there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. Um, that yeah, 
where you come off like, I like to say, oh, let's try this, or oh, I really like it when you do this, and that seems to help instead of being like, don't do that. Don't say it that way. Yeah, I think that yeah. really helps. But yeah, I mean, if I'm doing something that someone doesn't like, I would want to know if I right? am a bad kisser or if I'm doing something. So like I like to nibble on like the bottom lip. So if a guy doesn't like that, I want to know. So I never do that again. And I exactly. will never get offended if someone tells me that. And I think it's better to know instead of being like embarrassed that it's not there. But I will say like you need to have some kind of chemistry with some like with the person that you're seeing Mm -hmm. and so if it's really that bad and it's just not clicking then maybe he's just not the right guy for her but would you be offended if someone was like I just don't if someone approached you and was like you're so kind you're so sweet like I want to keep dating you but like how our physical chemistry is in bed is like kind of a deal breaker I would cry (laughs) Yeah, I think, I, and then especially for, like, men out there. Yeah, that's like, horrible. I feel like that's, like, their thing is, like, if anything, I got my 46-inch shaft or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so when you're, like, attack that. So I didn't have advice for her on, like, in bed. I think that, like, maybe, like, I said I think he was just nervous. Well, and I, no, you know? and I think that sometimes you build that connection together And if you, the first time with someone's always, for the most part, is pretty uncomfortable and awkward, and it takes a while to figure out someone's flow and how they move and what they like and what they don't like. And I think that's what's so great about having just one person is because you can experience that together. It's like a bond that you guys are creating. And so don't put so much pressure on the first time. And if it's not great, then like, that's exciting because then you can keep working on it and it's like something you guys can do it together. But do you think it's fixable? Yeah. You think it's fixable? I, I think you have to give it like one or two more times and then after that, if it's not there, then it's just like not there. But for me, that's never been a deal breaker. Um, I've never, mm. like some people have their sexual preferences and if someone doesn't match that, then it's a huge deal breaker. For me, I... I like more of the emotional connection and that's what I really value. Yeah. And so that that comes and that's a part of it, but I like I value things over over that. So, but it's it's different for everyone cuz some of my friends are like if he's bad in bed or she's bad in bed or if she's not um compatible with what I like, I think mm-hmm. that's also like a really big part of it. So, I'm pretty vanilla and so I don't need someone who's like doing all this crazy stuff but there some of my friends are pretty crazy and and they have some intense fetishes and so they need someone who can keep up with them on that level and I think that's the only part where you need to have that compatibility that's so true and like I don't know I just like I, I now that I'm like talking about it like I kind of get where she's coming from because I was like give him a chance but do you know how awkward it is, like, when you don't have that physical chemistry after doing it and then you have to, like, go to dinner or, like, continue on or you're, like, you're a sloppy kisser. I don't really want you to kiss me. Like, that's a really hard position to be in. I think kissing is a big deal breaker. If a guy's a bad kisser, then it's pretty hard to, like, overcome that. I would like to know, I'm always here to improve my game. Like, men who are listening, what do you like when a girl does when they kiss? Like, is it the bottom nibble? 
for a page. Like, like well, I would like to know and like get a little creative because I kind of want some feedback right now in the dating realm. Yeah, I actually would be interested to you know, know that too. So you can email us at par at iheartradio.com. Send us in what you guys like, dislike, because it's always, yeah. I feel like women are the ones being so critical over kissing technique, but I've never really heard a guy coach me or tell me something yeah or say like oh don't do that I like this or don't do this I like this and so are guys just yeah. not like do they just not care <laughs> like are they that simple which is great but or like what's the I think we we should all be giving feedback almost at the end of something each night you like spend with someone or like kiss just being like hey I liked that or like hey you could have done better like think about how good this world would be actually in that realm physically when they're like okay I got feedback I had my I watched my game film would you be offended though if the guy told you that you were a bad kisser maybe guys don't say something because they're worried about like offending the girl or making the girl feel bad and maybe maybe that's why guys instead of seeing a girl again they just ghost them but the real reason is because she's a bad kisser and they just like don't know uh, I mean that's hard like I've seen now like I would I wouldn't mind hearing it I'd probably laugh but like it does kind of suck because like you've been kissing since you're like 14 15 years old and you're like wow like 10 years under the belt and this girl still doesn't have it. But like, also I'd be like, well, shoot, if someone would have just told me at a younger age or something, I don't know. But again, I've never been told that they didn't like something. So I'm like, yeah, were you just that simple or, or like, was it okay? I don't, do you think girls are better kissers because they care about that more? Like, do you think guys care about Mm. kissing or do they just care about doing the deed? And, like, that is a segue into that. Yeah. And so they only kiss so they can get to point A to point B. Or is it, like, they enjoy kissing, too? Because I actually enjoy kissing the most. Like, uh, kissing's my what, favorite same. thing to do. Same. And I sometimes I just don't feel like guys also like kissing. They only kiss so they can get to the next step. Yeah, I think that girls, like, and not to generalize it, like, I think there's definitely different females out there but I would say we are a huge emphasis on like the foreplay aspect and the like the touch and the feel and like how we're feeling is super important so I think that we take a lot more time in like our kisses or like what's happening and for men they're just more of like oh man I have raging hormones right now and like so much testosterone that like you, you they see red so it's like I would say generally, I would probably believe that girls are probably better kissers than men because of that. Girls are better kissers than guys. Yeah. Experience, girls are better kissers than guys. <laughs> it's like there's not there's not even a competition. I mean, no competition. Girls are better than guys. Every guy driving right now just slammed on their brakes and was like, oh, uh, from experience, got it. Like so casually brought up. You know, I've never kissed a girl, but... You've never kissed a girl? No. I mean, like, no. Yeah, no. In college, I was the girl that all my girlfriends would go to when they were drunk and they wanted to kiss a girl. So I, they would... That is hilarious. They would just kiss me. Hilarious. And so if they were ever, like, curious about kissing a girl, they would just, like, kiss me. We should normalize that because, like, your best friend's probably going to give you the best feed- feedback on being like, that was a great kiss. Yeah. 
And, like, here's what you should do next. Like, it should be, like, you're going to practice. Yeah. They were just, like, drunk in a bar. And they're like, you know what, Paige? I've never kissed a girl. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that was it. But I, I will say, like, girls are a, so much better at kissing than guys are. It, it's night and day how much better they are, which is shocking. That's so interesting. But I, I genuinely do believe that because of, again, like, we are so much more on that, like, feel me, touch me, like, do this, do that, whatever. And then, um, yeah, like I, I don't see guys being that into all that, but again, we're all rambling because we just need to hear the feedback. Yeah, no, I'm interested. So again, guys send us a message on either the playing around Instagram account or email us at parairheartradio.com. I mean, what an episode we talked Masters and kissing. I mean, best of both worlds right here. Some girl talk. Helping the guys out. I mean, talk about a master's Masters. week. We're becoming master kissers and master golfers. I love it. I mean, this was... I mean, the Masters is my favorite tournament of the year by far. And I can't wait until April again. And Tori, I'm going to force you to watch it. And hopefully in April, you'll have a little bit more to say. I'm going to make you like golf. Like, you are going to be a huge golf fan by the time that we're done with this, which is going to be never. We're going to keep doing this podcast forever. <laughs> I'll be 80 and like, I still like golf. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. I, I will I will make you like golf one day. I think if I give you lessons and you start playing it, then you'll be able to understand it a little bit more. But... I, Come on, don't shake your head at me. Don't give me that look. I'll never be that barstool girl where they're like, my wife, and she like is at the driving range and like blows like Mike Trout's it. Like, I'll never be that girl. You will girl. be that girl. I will make you that girl. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it, but I, I'm proud of you for, for watching. That was a huge step. I try. I tried. <laughs> well, I want to, again, thank Wells for coming on. I seriously love talking golf with him all day long um and Tori always it's like the highlight of my week is talking to you I think sometimes I forget that this is going out to like thousands of people and we're just like having girl talk yeah no I, I mean after that last podcast I think that we just can't hide ourselves anymore. I mean can we bring that doctor on though speaking of that can we bring that doctor on because I really need to know if I'm dyslexic or not a lot of people were messaging me saying that I wasn't and some people oh. were saying that I definitely am so I would like to actually find this out once and for all yeah and then we need to get the things that everyone should know and test you and see do you know the like what the average human should know about life That'll that'll come. Spoiler: Stay No, tuned. I definitely will not. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna have to get creative. I mean, golf is all the good. All the good stuff in golf is done. All the good. Stuff. I'll also have to start some more Twitter beefs, and <laughs> which I'm good at. Just keep talking about people's shafts. <laughs> Men don't like that. Shockingly, they don't like that. But again, guys, thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And next week, we'll be back at it again. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>